This is The Grid, presented by Victoria College. Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of The Grid. My name is Jeremiah Sosa, the assistant sports editor. I'm here joined by Mike Foreman, our sports editor, and Gabe Myers, our sports reporter. Uh, before we get into talking about what we got to do, uh, we want to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Facebook, at Advo Sports. You can also, also reach out to us on our F- Victoria Advocate Facebook page. You can also find us on Twitter, at Advo Sports. And you could email us any comments or questions to sports at vicad.com. All right, guys, it's getting that time of the year. We're getting closer and closer to this softball state tournament. Um, we recently had a team fall in the regional semifinal. Hallettsville, they lost to Santa Gertrudis Academy 2-0. to zero. Uh, Gabe, you were there to cover cover game two of that series. Uh, you know, obviously pretty uh, pr- pretty tough loss for the uh, reigning district champ, uh, state champions. And although I know there was a, um, you know, kind of a, a controversial way that one ended, how did that, that series, uh, you know, pan out for, for Hallsville? Yeah, well, the, the way the game ended, um, set a stage for you here. Hallsville's down two runs, two outs, bottom of the seventh inning. Uh, Jansky hits it, you know, deep in a left center field gap. I believe it was Macy Jansky. Hits in left center field. Kaylee Lavar is on first base. Uh, ball goes to the wall. All of Coach Cresta sends Olivares home. She gets thrown out at the plate when the tying run was Jansky, who was in the batter box, batter's box, now standing on second base. Even Cresta said after the game, "I shouldn't have sent her. Like that was a mistake on my part." Uh, and it was just a good, you know, good throw, good relay from Santa Gertrudis that got her. But the real story was Hallisville's pitching, which had shut down. The most they had allowed in the game this year was nine to Weimer, who we'll talk about here in a second. Um, that's the most they allowed in the game this year. Santa Gertrudis put up 14. I mean, they, they were tattooing the ball. Even Cresta said after the game, game one that you were at, they only struck out Santa Gertrudis one time. Uh, they were not getting a swing and misses. Santa Gertrudis was up there putting bat on the ball and hitting it hard. And 14 runs, you score 14 runs, you're going to win a lot of games. You give up 14 runs, you're going to lose a lot of games. And Hallettsville, in that game, they were playing from behind constantly. They got down 3 nothing to start the game. Then they fell behind 5-3. Then they got back, they tied it up at 3. Then they tied it up at 5. Then they come back, it's 11-5 going into the bottom of the six. And that was just too much. You spend the whole game playing catch-up, and eventually Hallettsville just, they didn't have enough. And Santa Gertrudis, to their credit, just kept piling on the runs. They kept, it would have been very easy for them to, they go up 3 nothing. Hallettsville answers with 3. Ah, oh, man, here come the defending state champs. They're going to get us back now. Go up two runs. Oh, they get it back to five. We're all tied. Ah, oh, just, they're back in it now. But they kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And over the course of the two days, the better team won. Uh, Santa Gertrudis was tattooing the ball. So that was that was my takeaway. I was just amazed with how well Santa Gertrudis hit the ball. And we still got a few teams alive in the softball playoffs. Uh, Scheimer, they defeated Granger in a one-game series, 9-3 to in the regional semifinal. And Weimer, they beat Milano 2-0 uh, to zero in that series. And both of those teams are going to be matching up in the regional finals which starts on Thursday in uh, Seguin. Uh, game two and game three, if needed, would be in 
San Marcos at Texas State University. Um, but just looking at that series, uh, I was able to talk to, to both head coaches uh, today prior to the, you know, the start of the series. And both of them kind of expected to be here when, when they last matched up uh, in March, I believe, two months ago. Um, they, they, they knew that both of the teams had the ability to get this far in the playoffs. And, you know, after Shiner beat Ganado, uh, which was a tough test for them a few, week, uh, few weeks ago, um, you know, they're back here with, with Weimer, which is, um, you know, the, their district opponent. And I was talking to Coach Roger Maupin from Weimer, and he was just telling me how he expects this series to, to come down to defense. Obviously, both teams can hit the ball pretty well. But when you look at, you know, Weimer's pitcher and Reagan Wick and all the weapons that they have, um, I think it's really going to come down to that. And, Mike, I know this is kind of, a, you know, an anticipated matchup that we've been kind of, predicting that what would happen earlier in, in the year um what what do you think this series is going to come come down to and uh you know on who who's able to advance well i i would say uh like coach moppin said defense is going to be huge in this series uh obviously reagan wick is a, just an outstanding pitcher I, I think she had like was it 16 strikeouts against milano or something like that uh if she's on she's tough to hit uh and she's just a uh, great competitor. Uh, Shiner, uh, we know they can hit the ball. So um, I saw the game in Weimar. I covered that. Shiner jumped out to an early lead, and then uh, Weimar kind of came back on them. And uh, uh, Shiner in that game, they, they issued a lot of walks. And uh, I don't think you can afford to do that against either one of these teams because – you start putting runners on base, all it takes is one big hit. And uh, three, four runs in this game might be enough to win it. So uh, I think it, it, like you, it's going to come down to pitching and defense. Yeah, and they actually split the regular season series. Shiner took game one, um, but uh, Weimer was able to get that second one. And that was actually Shiner's last loss that they've had. So they've uh, gone over two months with, uh, you know, without a loss. And also Reagan Wick, she's gonna she's a Colorado State commit, so that that just brings in uh, you know some more information on the series and you know what she's uh, able to do in the pitching circle. All right, we're gonna take one quick break and hear this commercial from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it, and, and, and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off uh, companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. All right, welcome back. 
now that we talked about softball, it's time to get into some baseball. We got regional quarterfinal action that wrapped up this past week. Mike, you were there in the Shiner versus Weimer series. Shiner won the series 2-0. to zero. How did that one play out for, for the Comanches? Well, uh, it was actually a lot closer series than the uh, score indicated because in both of those uh, series in the first game, it was actually 0-0 going to the seventh inning. And in the second game, it was 0-0 going to the bottom of the sixth. So some excellent pitching performances on both sides. Uh, Ryan Peterson for the uh, for the Comanches and Morrison for the uh, for Weimer, and then of course you had Brady Hinkie going up against Drew Winsky. Uh, Shine, both teams played excellent defense. There were very few errors. In fact, the one error that was committed uh, in Game One was the thing that opened the door for Shiner's victory. Um, that that uh, that to me was telling the tale. It was really good to see uh, that once again we're talking about Shiner and Weimer district rivals. Uh, these two teams uh, have a history of great baseball, and uh, it was a good matchup for both of them. Um, and uh, Shiner was able to prevail, um, and uh, they'll move on. And another series that you covered, Mike, Fatonia versus Kennedy. Kennedy won that one uh, in a little bit closer of a series. It was 2-1. Um, I know you were f- there for one of the games. Uh, what, what did you see out of that game, and how do you think that Kennedy was able to come out on top of the series? Well, uh, I, I actually covered the game that Flatonia won. Um, they had uh, they had Targotch on the mound, uh, Titan Targotch, who's a sophomore already committed to A&M. They had, they had trouble hitting him. Um, he had a he had a good night. He he walked four guys. His control was a little bit off, but other than that, he was in control. But before I left the park, uh, you know, uh, Flatonia coach Rodney Strick told me said, you know, he was concerned because uh, Kennedy had their ace for Game Three, uh, Ryland Reyna, and uh, and Flatonia had used their top two pitchers, Dayton Cliff, who I don't know if you were aware, but announced this week he's going to Concordia and, of course, Targosh. So they were kind of left with uh, everybody else who was ever there available. And that turned out to be a 7-5 win for Kennedy. Kennedy's uh, come on in the playoffs. In fact, it's interesting. I think every one of their playoff series has gone three games. And uh, so that shows you that Kennedy is used to playing under pressure. And uh, they've done a great job of that. I know everyone up there is very excited about this team. Um, You know, uh, being old like me, I remember uh, back when Kennedy won state championship in baseball, and it's been a while. So uh, I'm sure the the people up in uh, Kennedy are really excited about this opportunity. And the last series that we covered this past week was Houtsville versus Jordanton. Houtsville won the series 2-0. Um, they won both games on Friday. And I think what really the highlight of that series was uh, Jorian Wilson. Uh, in, in that They had already had a game one lead. Uh, in game two, they were you know up a, a marginal amount. I think it was 5-1 or so. And there was like absolutely no momentum for Jordanton. Um, Jorian Wilson, he entered the game at, at pitcher and in the fifth inning, I believe, and uh, I mean, there was no doubt about it. He, he even said it himself. He struggled. He walked, I would say, four four batters. He hit another one. Um, Jordanton was able to get back in the game. They they tied it up, 
going into the six. Um, but Wilson, you know, in his next at bat, he 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 hit a three run homer, I believe, uh, to 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 give Hallettsville the lead and you know ultimately get, win the series. Um, so for him, I know that was big. I, I believe it was the first home run in that that new complex there in uh, Carn City. Um, so obviously a big uh, you know you know big performance from Wilson and what he was able to do. But not only him, they had, they had a you know a good performance from Brock Bludeau at pitcher in that game one win. So um, you know if you're Houseville, I think you got got to be pretty positive of what you were able to do in that series uh, against Jordanton. And moving, uh, Houseville moves on to the regional semifinal where they'll play Corpus Christi London. Uh, that's going to be a one-game series, 7 p.m. Thursday in Kennedy. Mike, you're going to be there. What do you think this Houseville team is going to have to do to, you know, defeat this, uh, you know, this this tough competitor in Corpus Christi London? Well, I think it's going to come down to Houseville's going to have to score some runs. Uh, I, it's real interesting. Houseville, they they've had some peaks and valleys this year, but. Uh, They've been the kind of team that has found a way to win, whatever it takes, usually. Uh, but London is, I believe, the number one ranked team in the state. So uh, they have good pitching. So uh, I think it's going to be crucial for Howitzville to uh, score some runs in this game and give their pitchers some cushion. Um, they did win the flip to play one game. Uh, so they've got everyone available. This is one of those games when you're in one game, you don't fool around. If a pitcher struggles, you get him out of there and you get somebody else in there. So, uh, you know, on paper, you might say, well, London should win this game. But if you look at what Houtsville's done all year on paper, you probably wouldn't expect them to be here. But here they are. And uh, I think, you know, I, I would never say Houtsville doesn't have a shot. And then moving into our next series, we got Kennedy versus Johnson City. That's going to be a best of three at University of Incarnate Ward in San Antonio. First game is Thursday, and then the following two games with game three, if needed, is going to be on Saturday. Um, just looking at that that series, what's something that's gonna that Kennedy's going to have to do in order to you know beat this Johnson City team? You know, this was interesting to me. I wanted to kind of bounce this off of Mike because we the last two rounds we've been at Kennedy one game and we covered the game they lost in the best of three, and obviously they keep moving on. You mentioned they were saving their ace, Ryland Reyna, for game three in this last round. When I went, it was game one against Canedo. They pitched him game one. He got roughed up a little bit. And, ended up, you know, losing that game, they took him off the mound kind of early. What What did you see when you watch when you watch Kennedy? They were, they were saving their ace because I saw him. I saw him get roughed up a little bit. But I thought their offense was pretty good when I watched them. They, they had some hard hit outs. They had, you know, a few unlucky breaks in, the, in, the, in that one game. But I thought their offense was pretty good when I watched them. I know you watched them against the A&M commit, but I thought that, I thought they could hit the ball. Yeah, I think they can. And actually, they had some chances against Flatonia, but uh, they just struck out too much in that game, which is understandable when you have a lefty like uh, Targoch. And they have a lot of left-handed hitters. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that. But I think that that was a detriment in that game. Now, I don't know if Johnson City has lefties or not, I know that Burton was able to put up quite a few runs, so I, I would think Kennedy, uh, you know, and Kennedy was, uh, they ended up last year losing to Shiner in the playoffs. So this is not a, you know, a team that's new to the playoffs. They have some experience, and uh, they seem to me uh, to be a uh, kind of a confident team, you know, even though they lost that game. 
they were they seemed confident about game three, which ultimately proved to be true. So um, that's what I I would say about Kennedy is uh, they go in believing they have a shot. Yeah, the other thing I saw, I don't know how much of this you saw, but, man, they do a lot of small ball over yeah. there in Kennedy. Uh, um, kind of looking at your face, you're like, oh, yeah. Uh, that That's the other thing I realized. So we're going to, you know, Johnson City, can they defend, can they not defend? We're going to find out very early into the series how good Johnson City is defensively. And the last series that we're going to be covering is Shiner versus Mumford. That one's also going to be a best of three. Uh, it's going to be played at LaGrange with the first game on Wednesday and then the following two with game three if needed on Saturday. Mike, you're also going to be covering that series. Uh, Obviously, big win over Weimer in that that, that last series for Shiner. Uh, What's something that you're looking for out of this Comanche team? Well, this is a rematch of last year's regional final, and um, leave no doubt, Mumford is an excellent team. It uh, played two tough games against Shiner last year. Um, ultimately, of course, Peterson won the first game for uh, Shiner. The second game, uh, I believe, came down to an error by Mumford that cost him the game, actually, and uh, very even matchup. Uh, Mumford just uh, totally pummeled Harper in its series, and uh, Shiner, of course, played Weimer, and, uh, you know, as uh, I think it was uh, Shooty said to me after the game, uh, Carson Shooty, he said, you know, it's tough to beat a team four times in one season, and there's no doubt, and especially a good team like Weimer. Shiner, I mean, they're experienced, uh, even though they, they really don't have that many seniors, but some of their key players are seniors, and that'll help them. They've been in this situation. They've been behind. They don't panic. Uh, I, I think, again, that like we talked about Weimer, Shiner softball, I really think – the defense is going to play a big part of this series. Whoever plays better defense, I think, has a really good chance to come out on top. And for all of our baseball and softball coverage from last week and this upcoming week, you can visit advosports.com. All right, we're going to take one quick break and hear this commercial from Thrivent Financial. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Victoria East, they recently held their uh, spring game and I was at that game and just, you know, attending that game with, uh, you know, first-year head coach Charlie Reeve, I think for him he should be really impressed with the way that his running backs played. Um, Jaden Williams and Jakari Barnes, they combined for 249 yards. And I think, uh, you know, when looking at what this team lost uh, or is going to lose this year, uh, Jakarian Giles, he's he's gone. Jaden Williams uh, also gone at the quarterback position. Um, and for, for Giles, you know, he leaves a big hole in this team and, you know, what he, he was able to produce for them last year. So I think getting a, this guy like Jaden Williams, who played, uh, you know, for East last year, and he had a few games where he was able to con- contribute pretty big for them, um, and, you know, and a new guy like Jakari Barnes, and they also have a, a few other pieces at the running back position. Um, I think this is really good for, uh, you know, Coach Reeve and what he saw in that position. Um, a, a position that, that 
was kind of interesting to a lot of people was, uh, you know, the quarterback position, which, you know, was previously filled by Jaden Williams. Um, they have really two front runners right now as of, uh, you know, according to Coach Reeve, which is Casey Coley um, and Alana Partida. Coley, he's currently a freshman. He threw for 128 yards and two TDs. Partida, he, he's a junior right now, and he threw for 89 yards and a TD. And, you know, I, I don't think this is a game where I don't I don't really think Coach Reeve saw, you know, like I'm, I'm going to decide who's the starting quarterback after this spring game. I think it was more so of, uh, you know, getting seeing what they can do with the offense, uh, you know, being able to run plays. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they showed some flashes. Uh, Casey Coley, he has a pretty big arm. I don't, he plays baseball, so, um, you know, that's able to carry over the, for there. Um, and Partita, he's more of a, you know, a leaner guy. He's able to, you know, get out in space and get some yards. He had a run for 30 or 40 yards during that spring game. So, you know, they each have their own, uh, you know, capabilities and what they're able to do. So it'll be interesting to see what Reeve, uh, you know, is looking for in that quarterback position with his team. Um, Mike, obviously, uh, you know, know, losing those guys last year in uh, Giles and Williams, um, you know, it's got to be good for for Reeve in his first year to – you know, see some positive things out of this team at their spring game. Oh, for sure. And uh, and, and and you talked about this. Uh, one thing I've heard is I, I heard that East has a lot of talented younger players, which bodes well for uh, Coach Reeve. I mean, he can get them in the system now and kind of get them going. And, uh, you know, I, I've known um, – we've known about Case and Coley uh, – I heard some uh, people talk about him when he was on the uh, when he was uh, eighth grader, you know, playing football. That he was quite impressive. So, uh, what I'm curious about is maybe you noticed this. I mean, was the atmosphere different? I mean, did it feel different? Could I mean, did you sense a difference just being out there about the East team? Yeah, well, I wasn't there for, uh, for East last spring game, but just kind of comparing it to you know games during the season, it was definitely a little bit more uh, a little bit more energy. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Reeve, he he brought out some events and you know some things like a halftime show just to get the fans a little bit more involved. So, and not only that, just you know seeing what he's been able to do um, with the program, he's been bringing in some recruiters to to you know look at the kids, um, you know just. He's very active on social media, getting all the fans involved and, you know, just stuff like that. I think it's it gets more people excited about the football team. And, um, you know, I think it gets the kids more excited to play. And, you know, hopefully they could have a good summer and kind of carry that into into the regular season. Yeah, you know, because it's interesting. This is uh, Coach Reeve is actually the third coach that East has had. And it's been a while, you know. Coach Finley took over the program when it started, and he was here for two years. And then Coach Gonzalez came in. So, and Coach Gonzalez was there quite a few years. So, uh, obviously, this is kind of a fresh start for East. And uh, I'm sure people over there are very excited to see uh, what Coach Reeve can do because. A lot of people may remember his dad, you know, Mark Reeve was the coach at Victoria High for a lot of years, and they had great success under him. So I'm sure they're uh, looking forward to see what uh, Charlie Reeve can do. Yeah, and he's been able to bring in some guys from New Caney where he recently had success, uh, I believe, under his brother, I believe. Um, You know, he's been able to bring in a bunch of new guys. Also, Wayne Condra on the defensive side of the ball, uh, who who, was, was a head coach at El Campo. So I think just the overall atmosphere of whatever 
everything that he's been able to do uh, for that program, I think it's very positive for the school. Yeah, and uh, of course, people might not may remember or not that Wayne Condor is actually uh, the defensive coordinator for Mark Reeve when he was at Victoria High. So uh, obviously, he's familiar with them, and Charlie obviously knew Coach. I think he probably would have played for Coach Condra. So now he's got someone he can work with that obviously he knows and trusts because I'm sure Charlie, uh, being a former quarterback, is going to be mostly involved with the offense. Mm. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, when I first talked to him, when he first got the job, he was telling me how he, he expects to you know be the play caller for, for the team. So he's definitely going to have his hand in the offense and you know everything that they're going to be able to accomplish this year. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast from me, Mike, and Gabe. We appreciate you guys for listening, and you could catch us here again next week.